Thank you, Barb. Sorry, I was a little late. I was filling out my membership form because this is one community that I definitely want to be a member of. You might remember a couple weeks ago, uh, the lovely Amanda Pope did a talk on Question Everything. Well, by luck of the draw, I got the topic that is the parent of all questions. Who am I and why am I here? Now, you might be asking yourself right now, who are you and why are you here? And I hope by the end, you'll know that I'm here for a purpose. It's, it's a big, big question, two big questions. And I was thinking, how do you tackle that? It's, it's like the old saying, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So we're going to start with, who am I? And I'm going to take you back to 1972. I was 12 years old. MASH, you know, the TV show MASH, Hawkeye. Trapper John. It was the third episode of the first season, and Trapper was in a boxing match. You can see the picture of him there. And it's, a, it's a long story, but basically it was a, a, a bet between two generals, and Trapper uh, had to go into this boxing ring and fight this behemoth of a man. But if, if you saw in that picture, they're doctors, so they were putting ether on his boxing glove, because the plan was that all he had to do was just get his glove into his opponent's face, and it would be over. Well, of course, this is a sitcom, so you know what happens. He ends up getting the ether-filled boxing glove into his own face, and he's flat on the floor. And Hawkeye's down there trying to revive him, and, and Trapper says, oh, where am I? And Hawkeye explains that he's in the boxing ring and all that, and Trapper goes, oh, okay. Then he says, who am I? And I thought that was hilarious, and still when I think about it, it, it makes me chuckle. But it also makes me wonder... How much have my life, have I gone through, basically, unconscious? The answer is, too much of it. I remember as a small child, I, I did this little game with myself. And I would just, I would just by myself, just sit there and, and say silently, I am me. I am me. I am me. And after a little while, I'd, I'd almost go into a little trance. And... I think it was the very beginning of enlightenment. And I do think now that was spirit calling me forward. Unfortunately, I didn't spend a lot of time in that. I spent much more time being an imposter. I wanted desperately so much to be like that I would, I would do anything. I, I remember I worked at the um, Cloverdale Rodeo, and if you're not familiar with it, it's at least it used to be the second largest rodeo in Canada, right next to the uh, second to the Calgary Stampede. And so I was working there. Don't don't let me uh, fool you. I was not uh, riding bulls or, or I was selling hot dogs and ice cream. But at the beginning of every rodeo show, there was I think two or three a day, they would. Um, play both national anthems because it was, you know, an international event. And I remember standing there in the stands with my hot dogs and, and trying to sing the words to the Star Spangled Banner, which I didn't knew, know. But I had this idea that somehow I was going to seem mysterious and, and impress some pretty girl that was probably standing, sitting nearby. I spent so much of my life as the chameleon. Who do you want me to be? That's who I'll be. Yes. And I got to tell you that it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work for me at all. And it, it, the perfect way to describe it is with this quote from Dr. Gladys Gonzalez Vigil, who um, wrote the, the outline for today's topic. And she says, if we do not identify ourselves, if we do not know ourselves, if we do not discover our authentic self, 
we will let the world identify ourselves for us. This is how the world or society gives us a false identity. And this is how we lose our authentic power. So I stumbled through life, most of it. I was in a career for 38 years that I really wasn't suited for, but I stumbled into it because I thought I was impressing somebody. I had two little kids, and that gave me some sense of purpose, but I was still mostly unconscious. I remember, um, I think it was when I was a young adult, I just moved out, and I have five sisters, and, and we would still at that time get together, all of us, uh, for Christmas at my parents' home. And I always looked around, and, and I thought somebody was missing. And I go, there's Joe, Sue, Eva, Pam, Mary, Mom, Dad. And I think now that who was missing was me. So, <laughs> over time, I, I, I started to search for answers, and I became involved in a, in a personal development group. And there was one exercise we did where you'd, you'd stand and you're looking straight into your partner's eyes, and they would say, they would ask, who are you? And I'd say, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm a husband. And they'd say, no, really, who are you? And I'd say, I'm a journalist, I'm a golfer, I'm a runner. And they say, who are you? And quite frankly, I was stumped. I believed for very too long that I was who the voice in my head was telling me I was. Now, where did that voice come from? It came from my parents, it came from my teachers, it came from my fellow students. I desperately wanted to be anything other than what that inner critic was telling me that I was. Michael Singer wrote a book, The Untethered Soul. It's a fabulous book. Oh, yes. and, and he's got a whole chapter that he calls The Roommate. And he talks about that inner critic, and he says, imagine if you had a roommate, like in, in the physical world, you were sharing an apartment with somebody who was saying the, same, the things to you that you're saying to yourself. He says, how long would it take before you either left or you kicked them out? A day? Maybe two days? So why do we go almost our entire lives allowing that, that roommate to say such awful things about us? But in spite of all that, I know that all of the time there was this whisper in my ear, a spirit was calling me forward, forward to something greater. And, and the story has a happy ending. And the happy ending involves you. Because 13 years ago, I didn't stumble, I was drawn towards Center for Spiritual Living, Kelowna. And through the Sunday services, and I think even more so through the, the classes that I took, I became to understand that I am an individualized expression of spirit. And the analogy I heard early on, and I still use because it, it just speaks so much to me, is that if spirit were the ocean, then I am one drop in that ocean. And that entire ocean is in that, everything in the ocean is contained in this drop. Now, I need to give you a little disclaimer before I tell you this next story, because I know, and I know it's true, that heaven is not a place somewhere else. Heaven is, is found inside of me. But this story came with the outline for this, so I know it is CSL endorsed. And the story goes like this. There was a man who was a very good man. He, um, he tithed, he gave to all sorts of charities, he shoveled the snow off his uh, elderly neighbor's driveway in the winter. 
he has his transition and he goes up and he knocks three times on the gates of heaven and he hears God's voice saying, who are you? And he says, I am. And to his surprise, God says, I'm sorry, heaven is full. You'll have to try again later. Well, he was gobsmacked. How do you mean heaven's full? It's supposed to be a place where people like me go, people who are good. So he went back to earth and he thought about it and he thought about it. And then he said, okay, I'm going to try it again. He goes back up to the gates of heaven. heaven. He knocks three times and God's voice, who are you? And he says with great authority, I am. And he got the same answer. Sorry, heaven's full. Try again later. So he goes back to earth and he meditates and he prays. And then he has an epiphany. He goes back to the gates of heaven and he knocks three times, knock, 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 and he hears the voice of God saying, who are you? He says, you are. The gates of heaven swing wide open and God says, there was never enough room for me and someone else. Yeah, gets me too. I want to just share a quote with you from our founder, Dr. Ernest Holmes. He says, you are already a spiritual being. When the mind understands this and embodies its essence, that's, that which you are in the invisible will become more apparent in the visible. Yeah. And when we love ourselves for who we really are, we automatically elevate our spiritual consciousness and consequently, consequently our love for others. We are creating a world that works for everyone. Now, can you imagine that world if everyone loved themselves? Okay, that's who am I. We're going to get to why am I here in just a minute. But first, Barbara Neal will help us celebrate the joy of opening ourselves up and letting spirit pour itself into our hearts.
Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Neil. I'm so grateful that you collaborated on this with me. Now, truth be told, that wasn't my first choice for a song. What I thought would be the perfect song for Who Am I is The Who. You know, who are you? Ooh, 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 ooh. I really want to know who are you? Well, Barb pointed out that it's not very spiritual. And then yeah. Neil said, well, at the end of it, Pete Townsend has to smash his guitar into the um, amplifier. And he wasn't willing to do that. So pour yourself in me. It's perfect. <laughs> so why am I here? The truth is that we all have a purpose. And again, what they say in the outline to this is that we are dressed in a body and we have a personality, but we are much more than that. We are divine beings who have come to work on our consciousness, to remember who we truly are, and to remember our essential being. Dennis Giovanni says it differently, and I really like it, it's so succinct. He says, the purpose of my life is to grow into my perfection. Oh. The purpose of my life is to grow into my perfection. So why does it take so long? Why did I spend so many years wandering around in a daze? And I think the answer is that spirit gave me free will. I know you've all heard the story about the acorn, right? The acorn that already has within it everything that it needs to grow up into a, a mighty oak. And, and the same is true for me. Everything I need to grow into my perfection is already within me. But the difference is that when that acorn is just a sapling, it doesn't have people come along and say, oh, you're not a very big sapling. Look at your brother over there. He's like six feet tall and his branches are all coming out symmetrically and your branches are coming out at different angles. No, it just continues growing from being a sapling into the great oak with no, no other thought, no other, no other um, even idea that anything could be different. Once again, Ernest Holmes, and this is from his book, This Thing Called You, Where Else to Find an Answer for Who Am I? He says, the law has done all it can automatically do for man. It has evolved him to a point of individuality and must now let him alone to discover the secrets of life for himself. Man is potentially perfect, but free will and self-choice cause him to appear imperfect. In reality, all he can destroy is some particular embodiment of himself. The divine spark is always intact in potential man. Now, I love that book. Uh, I just wish that it didn't say man. And, and I don't know what I'm allowed to do with a quote. Like, can I change that to people? I don't know. But please know that, at least in my heart, that that's speaking to everybody. I was listening to Brene Brown the other day. I'm sure everybody knows Brene Brown. And she was interviewing this author. His name is James Clear. He's written this book called Automatic Habits. And he was talking about habits, but I think this really, really applies to discovering why I'm here. He says, think about who you are meant to be, the person that you are meant to be. And then whenever you're doing an action, ask yourself, is that someone who is, and I'll insert words here, is that someone who is healthy, who is enlightened, who is grounded in spirit? Is that something they would do? He says, every action we take is, is like a vote, a vote for the type of person that we wish to become. And so after hearing that, I, when I take an action like 
I do some exercising or I don't do some stretching. I, I think, is that what a person who I want to be would do? It's, it's I think, a, a great way to guide me through my life. I've got another story. Um, 29 years ago, it was just after my son was born, some friends uh, came out to my house and we had a little uh, a dinner, a barbecue, and uh, a ceremony to welcome Josh into the world. And it was outside and it was in the summer and at the end of it, it was, it was getting dark. But um, one of my friends, who's, who's um, First Nations, he handed me a stick and as I said, it was dark and I went, oh, okay, thanks, a stick, it's, it's smooth, it's varnished, it's shellacked, oh, I've got a shellacked stick. But the next morning when I woke up and I looked at it, I realized that it's painted beautifully. And I'm going to ask Amanda to show you a picture. But even that picture doesn't do it justice because as I looked at it more and more, I discovered there are faces, yeah. mostly of animals, all through the stick. Oh. And my friend John told me, those faces were already there. I'm just, I'm just bringing them to light. And I tell you that it was weeks and probably even months later that I was still finding a face I hadn't seen before. And so what does that tell me? That tells me that there is always more to be revealed. Huh. <laughs> now I'm going to leave you with Ram Das and him saying, we're all just walking each other home. When I was researching this, because that's what I do, I research these things, I came across a blog by a fellow named Alan Seal. He wrote it about six years ago. And he was saying that Ram Dass was talking about coming home inside of ourselves, finding our wholeness, knowing who we are at the deepest and most profound levels of being, and building our lives on that foundation. Now, Ram Dass didn't say, I'm just walking home. No, he said, we're all just walking each other home. We need each other. There are some things I can't know without an interaction with others. And that's why the Center for Spiritual Living is so important to me. I need community. I need you. So the next time that I'm wandering around in a daze like I've just inhaled ether, you can help me remember the truth that I'm here to grow my consciousness to grow into my perfection, to remember who and whose I truly am. And I promise I will always be here <sighs> to do the same for you. Thank you. Mm -hmm.